This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Do you love fashion? Do you love the planet? Do you love people? If you said yes to all three, look no further than Kindem. Kindem is a sustainable, conscious, and responsible clothing and accessories brand, which uses earth-friendly materials, pays fair wages, and treats people ethically. Kindem really sets the standard using GOTS organic cotton, bamboo, recycled polyester from plastic bottles, and indigenous tribal handwoven fabrics, which reduce pollution and waste. Kindem works with certified factories, as well as collabs with local makers and indigenous artisans to ensure that each garment is made with love and care. This Mother's Day, give the gift of fashion, but make it sustainable. Use code GIRLPOWER21 for 30% off any item online at www.kindemshop.com. Or give your mom the gift of a fun experience and sustainability by joining us in the hashtag EcoStyleYourMom Challenge. Learn more about the challenge and giveaways on Kindem's Instagram page at Kindem Shop. Link in bio for all the details. Teddy and I love Kindem as they've been supporting Girl Powerful over the past two years and helping us make all girls feel seen, valued, and heard. So get shopping, kindemshop.com, and follow them on Instagram at kindemshop, hashtag ecostyleyourmom. Welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We're two sisters on a mission to entertain and educate by learning from women who live a purpose-driven life. Be sure to subscribe and rate our podcast. On this episode of the Girl Powerful Podcast, we had the opportunity to talk with Claire Crawley. And Claire Crawley, guys, is simply human. You might know her from the Bachelor franchise, but in this episode of the Girl Powerful podcast, we talk about everything from making a happiness list, dating advice, how to deal with anxiety and depression. Claire Crawley opens up about her childhood, her career changes, her love language, And honestly, she opened up and was really vulnerable about dealing with sexual abuse as a child. Claire is a powerful human, and we are so excited to share this episode with you. Please subscribe, follow, and like on all platforms at Girl Powerful Project. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Girl Powerful Podcast. We are so excited to have Claire Crowley with us today. Claire, thanks for being here. 
Thank you guys so much for having me. Apparently, LB wants to join in on this too. So <laughs> there's so many dogs that make guest appearances on these things now that everyone's at home constantly. It's really right. Amazing. I swear he was literally just sleeping for the last 17 hours. And he just got up and was like, I'm going to be part of this. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So we always like to jump right in. And since we do work with adolescent female youth, we always love to hear about our guest's backstory. What were you like as a 12-year-old girl? Oh, man. Okay, so nobody believes this. Actually, the people who know me are like, yeah, we could see that. But I used to be the most shyest, painfully shyest person ever. And it was to the point where it was detrimental, where I would never speak up for myself and I would never have my own back. And I would never, like, it was just, I was so... I don't even know if afraid of the world was the right thing, but I just was like, I never wanted to say the wrong thing or I was just so painfully shy. And that followed me, I would say all through mid high school, to be honest, mid to end of high school, I was really, really, really shy. Were you more um, comfortable around girls? Cause I was shy and like, but I'd find myself in my friends. I was like a little more me like at a slumber party or something like a small group, I, I would like be a total freak and just be a huge <laughs> entertainer comedian. But like at school, I like walked down the hall silent. Totally. I would say around my family, my, I had one really good best friend that we were best or we are best friends since we were four years old. Oh. So I would say around her and my family, absolutely. I was like the goofball of everybody and the most outgoing. But when it came to other people, people I didn't know, being in the public, being in school, Oh, it was bad. It was bad to the point where I ran into somebody from um, from grade school that I went kindergarten through eighth grade with. So a few years. And I, he was working at the local Baskin Robbins. This was when I was like 25. And I was like, hi, how's it going? And he's like, who are you? <laughs> In my head, I'm like, I was that invisible, I felt like, where he didn't even know who I, I mean, it was a small class. So I just was a wallflower and kind of would blend into the background and I loved it. You loved it. I love that. Yeah. You didn't find it like lonely or anything like that. You just kind of were like easy breezy. I wouldn't say easy breezy. I would probably <laughs> say quite the opposite. I was probably more anxiety riddled. Okay. And so because of that, it was, I was overthinking everything and didn't want to say the wrong thing or didn't, I just was like, I'm just not going to say anything. And, and so it was, it was not easy breezy. It was, very anxiety driven for sure were you like that person because this is what I did like that if you were doing a read aloud in school that you'd like count how many people were in front of you and then count the line and read it four times to, to understand if you like you could read that English line like you kind of like forget everything when you have all that public speaking anxiety that's so funny you say that I forgot about that until you say that now yeah really? I really was that person who would count it and be like okay there's her line there's her line that's what I'm going to be saying and just repeat it oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was similar to you. I had major social anxiety. I always wanted to like say the right thing or please people. And I it was basically like Mary Catherine Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> but it changes. So what changed in high school or in your early twenties to like, you know, be more confident and be just more yourself. It started out as I would say faking it till you make it because I had one girl or a couple girls in high school comment to me. Cause I always, like I said, kept myself I had my one best friend 
I was totally happy. Um, but as I got in high school, I joined um, like volleyball. I was in sports and I had a couple of the girls say to me, oh God, once you get to know you, you're super cool. But before I knew you, and this was like multiple people had said this before I knew you, I thought you were so stuck up and I thought you were just, you thought you were better than everybody. And I was like, no, that's a, the complete opposite. But if anything, I was painfully shy. And I think to the public or to other people keeping to myself and not, you know, just like minding my own business, eating lunch in the library, that's how they interpreted that. So in high school, I was overly, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go above and beyond to put myself in the uncomfortable to smile, to say hi to people, uh, to talk to people, because I, the last thing I want people to do is, um, in high school, to think I'm a certain way that I'm not, and it was almost to just be like, make friends, and to talk to people, because it was, it's still hard to do that sometimes, to put myself out there, and to be like, the one to say hi, or to make the move, and even with friendships. It's kind of interesting, and it's true, like, if, if you don't tell people who you are, and like, show them with a smile, then they will jump to conclusions. So I think that kind of is a good tip for people. Like if you are feeling like a loner or shy or just, you know, totally confused, like maybe just like start saying hi to people. That's exactly what it was. Or even, even if you can't say hi to people, smile. Yeah. Just smile. And I think that goes a long way because I um, would keep my head down out of shyness. I would not smile because I was shy. But when you start to... Um, lift your head up, hold your shoulders back, smile. It does two things. I think it, it presents well. And like people go, Oh, she's, you know, it's friendly, but also it does something for in you as well to when you're holding your shoulders back, when you're smiling, I think there's a lot of studies that are like, even when you're having a crappy day and you smile and you, even if you force yourself to smile just for a little bit, it kind of changes your mood and, and puts you in a better mindset. Yeah, that body like posture is so huge. You actually like that's called power posing. Like I think a lot of people have heard that through like TED Talks and stuff. But you actually get like a hit of testosterone when you when you kind of like peacock and become bigger. And yeah. so like testosterone therefore means confidence. And like that's the difference between men and women sometimes is like we don't give ourselves like all those opportunities to get like those hormones that we need to feel really secure and strong Yeah, in our bodies. Yeah. And it, it definitely once once to a big play into it was working on my self-confidence. I think the shyness, there was a lot of other things that were going into the shyness that, you know, lack of self-worth and I didn't believe in myself. So working on those things and working to really improve those things helped tremendously and kind of having the confidence of whether or not people think I'm stuck up or not stuck up, like I know who I am on the inside. That's what I want to project. Not to make them feel better or anything, but that's what I want to project because that's how I feel on the inside. So more for myself too, you know? Yeah. I love that you shared that because I feel like so many men and women go through that. Like I had the exact same thing in high school. I remember this guy, one guy was always calling me a brat. And I was like, I was just shy. Like I would like, you know, like I was well-dressed, but I didn't talk. (laughs) So like if they invited me to do something, I would be like, oh, I'd like internally freak out. And then one time this guy was like, hey, come over here, Sonia. And I didn't. And he was like, you're so stuck up. And he like yelled at me down the hallway. And I, I was like, I didn't have the tools then to know like 
you know, they're just like reacting to me not communicating, but I was so shy. I didn't even know how to, you know, Uh, it's so true. And when you're teenagers, they're hard. It's you're learning enough about yourself, let alone how to interact with other people and how other people perceive you or you perceive them. And it's, it's, it's a struggle. It's a struggle sometimes. Yeah. So when you were growing up, did you ever have like big picture ideas? Like what did Claire Crawley want to be? Like what were your inner dialogue since you were quiet? Like what was going on in your head? I wanted to be a veterinarian and that's where I connected. That's where I felt so much love in my heart was when I connected with animals. And so all growing up, I always wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, and to the point where when I became, I would say, nine, I think 18 or 19, I became a vet tech prior to school because I was like, I'm going to invest all that money. I want to see what I'm getting into and see what the behind the scenes are and see if I actually really do love it. Um, and I was that for about four years, a vet tech. Oh, that's a um, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it deeply, but I realized for me, it desensitized me and my love for animals. If that makes sense. I was constantly around. You're not around the puppies and the kittens and the cute, happy animals. You're around the really sick ones, the dying ones, the old ones. And it's, it's really taxing when somebody is, I don't know, it it takes this really special type of person to detach from that. Um, But I lost my sensitivity and my, my deep love for animals and and almost just to um, self-preservation, I guess. Right. You know what? I'd rather, I'd rather love as animals as much as I do and work with humans rather than because animals, I just, I love, I hated that I lost that passion and love for animals so much. So. Yeah. I tried working at a vet office, like right after college, because I Mm -hmm. felt the same way. I love animals. This is a great idea. Uh I couldn't do it. I couldn't even take a cat and put it in a cage. Like I just was (laughs) like, no, someone else do that. And they're like, that's your job to intake the animal. I'm like, I can't, I can't can't do it. (laughs) Next, next. (laughs) Yeah, I was there for about two weeks and then they wanted me to file things. I was like, this is just not my jam. (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. Oh man. Yeah. I, I wanted to be a vet so bad. So I had to rethink my whole childhood of like, what do I want to do? <laughs> yeah. And then how did you move like down your journey to like be more creative and then, so also, always, and then also put yeah. yourself on television. Like that takes a lot of yeah. confidence too. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I moved down my line of like jobs and things I wanted to do for work. Um, I knew everybody's got their own path. And for me, school was really, really challenging. And being in with social anxiety and being in college and doing, I mean, I tried it. I went to college and I was doing good in my classes and stuff, but I just felt like, what am I doing? I need to find my passion. And I had my dad tell me one time, he said, because I was struggling with what do I do? What do I want to do? And that in-between phase of what am I get, what's going to make me happy? And he just said, he was like, he used to call me sugar. And he was like, sugar, you could literally be a garbage man. And as long as you love it and you're happy doing that, I would be happy for you. Mm-hmm. And so I went on this quest to find what genuinely makes me happy and what I love doing, what I can do every day, all day. And one thing I love doing is um, talking to people and making people feel good. And I thought doing, becoming a, 
um, working in like the spa industry, you get that connection with people and you also can help them make them feel better. And I think there's a lot to be said for that in um, working in a salon. I know I think a lot of people think it's a superficial thing and you're just playing with hair all day, but the conversations I've had with clients, um, with my teenager clients, and I've had, I was doing hair for 15 years, so I'm still doing hair. So it's like, I've had some since they were 15, 16 years old Mm. and now, you know, then they were going through their relationship stuff and they would always talk to me about that. And then they would get engaged and then they'd find their person. And pretty soon before we know it, one day they would come in and be like, I'm pregnant. So it's more connection, you know? And I love that. It's true though. Like you really do open up to your hairdresser. It's like free therapy. It's not free because you're paying for the hair, but you know, (laughs) like the thing is, is like that person doesn't know any of the people you're talking about. So you can be so honest. Exactly. It's definitely a rewarding, draining, stressful, but exciting career. And I thought, I love being creative. I love being my own boss. I love being able to work 20 hours if I want to, or work two hours if I want to. And if I want to take off a week at a time, I could take off a week at a time. And I don't know, it's just so, so many options of being self-employed. So yeah. And that feeling you give to people, like when you walk out of the salon, you feel on fire. Yeah. Sure. For sure. And so like, it, it is cool to like, let people be heard in the seat and then like make them actually feel physically like sexy or whatever they're looking for, you know? Oh yeah. I can't tell you how many clients have come in where they're just, they sit there in body postures, they're struggling. And I've had people where they're depressed and they'll sit in there and this is the first time I've washed my hair in a week or two right. weeks. And they'll sit there and we'll, they'll just get taken care of and um, somebody's listening to them. Somebody's in and, and the power of the closeness, I think, when you're touching them and you're touching their hair and you're touching their shoulder and you're sitting right there with them and they get all the attention. There's a lot. I think it goes a long way for people. Is that one of your love languages, like acts of service? Because you want to help animals, you want to help people. Yeah, definitely. I, I would say that's definitely how I show I would, I show love for sure. And, and to me, yeah, yeah. I would say that's the dominant one for sure. Yeah. How do you like to receive love? I was talking about this the other day. Is it possible to be all the above? Like to receive all the above? Because I love being told and talked to and saying like, that really made my day, Claire, or I love that you're here with me. Or, I mean, who doesn't love to hear that kind of stuff? And it really, or I appreciate you that, you know, I think that women fall in love, like in love between the ears. So words of affirmation, it makes sense. Words of affirmation is huge. I also put a lot of weight on physical touch. Um, I was never a huggy person ever. Really? Yes. It was always, you know, like I did the Irish exit all the time when at the end of, you know, hanging out with my friends or being with even family, I would be the one that I still Irish exit all the time. (laughs) And I'll just be the people that know me. I'm like, just so you know, I'm leaving in 10 minutes, but I just want to say bye now. Don't, you know, (laughs) I'm out of here. Well, it's so weird because sometimes people make you hug like 10 people or like, (laughs) nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Like, yo, hi. Yeah. And I, uh, I remember one time I was telling one of my clients, we were talking about New Year's resolutions, and I told her, I was like, my New Year's resolution this year is to 
hug people more. Because sometimes there's people you don't know what they're going through and you don't know how their day was. And you're the only hug and the only touch they've had maybe all day, maybe all week, maybe all month. And when you're deprived of that, it, or you get that hug, it can just mean everything. And so she, she looked at me and she was like, Claire, I do not want to do this. I'm not a huggy person. Because I told her, I was like, after our, after I do your hair, I'm going to hug you. Is that okay? And she was like, (laughs) I don't want to do this. I like, I'm just not a huggy person. And I think because she was, um, really overweight and uncomfortable and just wasn't comfortable in her body. And I don't care. She, she, to this day is my favorite client in the entire world. And so I was like, let's both awkwardly hug. And so it got to the point where one day, one hair, like a year later, she was like, I was leaving. I was in a hurry and I was like, okay, bye. I'll see you later. And she was like, where's my hug? So we both grew to like love hugging people. So yeah, physical touch is important. Well, how did you deal with that? Like on that show that that you were on for years, like everyone touches everybody. (laughs) That was my resolution. That was my new year's resolution probably eight, nine years ago. And so I, over the year made myself offer hugs and to make sure I hugged people that I loved and, um, went out of my way to hug people and give them good long hugs. And it made a difference for me. And I think if it made a difference for me, I know it made a difference for them. And so I love hugging people now and I love physical touch and just, just, just touching, hugging people, you know, makes a difference. I mean, I think that's one of the best human connections you can have is someone that you like, it's reciprocated, you know? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So besides like your love language, what does love mean to you? Love to me is seeing every part of somebody, the good and the bad. And I think especially the hard things about people and accepting them for who they are and for being human. Um, I think, I think that's what love is to me. And it's not the easy and the fun and the exciting and the pretty and the easy times. It's when you are drenched in tears and struggling and um, going through hard things and um, the person shows up for you or you show up for that person. And when it's not convenient, that to me is love. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's awesome. That's so special. I mean, when you were on The Bachelorette, like, I felt like you were, like, workshopping the guys to see if they would give you that. You know what I mean? You're like, this is what love means to me. You didn't say that. But, like, your actions on the show were, like, show up. Show me real things about you. What kind of man are you? How are you going to fit into my life? Because this is what I'm looking for. And, like, how did you find that confidence to be so strong? Um. I found that confidence to be so strong because I know what it feels like to have the opposite. I know what it feels like to have somebody just see the shell and have somebody think, oh, sparkly dresses and your hair is done. And while all those things are fun and great and the dates are magnificent and beautiful, um, it's easy to get swept up in that. And I want somebody, I wanted a man that when it is hard, when there is no cameras or lights or easy times, I want somebody to still choose me Mm -hmm. and I still choose that person. And so this 
I knew being on the show was not an opportunity just to be on TV. I never, if it never aired, I always tell people I would probably prefer it that way, but I could care less. It wasn't about the fame. It's not about um, being on TV or the amount of followers. I could genuinely care less. It's about the opportunity to meet 30 something men who could possibly, one could possibly be my person. And that to me was worth it. So even if other people don't like the opportunity, you know, the date or if it's boring or the love language date or screaming to the mountains, that's the type of stuff that I placed value on to see what type of person I was looking for. And I really wanted to use the opportunity to find the right person. I mean, I kind of think you changed that show like entirely, like your season, like real people showed up. You were real. So then it made people step up into a totally different version. And especially during COVID, it was nice to see like real people doing real things that you needed. Yeah. Yeah. It it mattered to me too, because um, it wasn't just like sign up for the show and come on and it's easy. It was, we all had to wait six months and to not know, are we going on? Are we not going to do this? Can we do this? And to go through COVID nose swabs every 72 hours and it wasn't an a comfortable thing to do and have to be in quarantine and waiting. It was, it was a big, big obstacles to go through. So I thought, you know what, if they're going to go through all that, they definitely want to be here. Yeah. So it, it eliminated, I don't know if it was going to say the week, but eliminated a lot of guys who were just there for the, for the show. Yeah. When you were a little girl, did you like picture yourself growing up and like being married and having a family or was that something that like, as you got a little older, you were like, I, I value that. Or were you like, I need a wedding, I need this, and like <laughs> putting toilet paper bride stuff on as a kid? Like, did I never thought no. about weddings as a kid? Did you? I never thought about weddings as a kid. I still do not think about weddings. I, think about, <laughs> I, I think about running away to a beach and being me and my husband and having the time of our lives, maybe recording it, and then coming back and celebrating with our friends and family. I just cringe at the thought of having to pick out tablecloths or spend X amount of thousands of dollars on flowers that they're going to throw away the next day. It just cringes me. I'd rather put a down payment on a house or go on a month long vacation or whatever. (laughs) So weddings were never the thing. It was always family and husband and, and a family unit. Cause I grew up with uh, five sisters, five older sisters. So I had a big family and I, I loved it. Yeah, it's nice to have love around in all shapes and forms, you yeah. know, and like siblings, like if you know how to communicate and get along, are your best friends, just like us. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so true. It's so true. I have a question about finding the right partner. And it's, I mean, it might help me. It might help girls listening, women listening. But I feel like today with phones and everything, like we're all like a fantasy version of ourselves. Because you put out what you want to put out, you know, or dating apps or Instagram or whatever. And I feel like how you said, like, love is when people show up for you, like in the bad moments and you're vulnerable and they allow you to see everything. But like, what are some things that you look for in a relationship at the beginning? Hmm. Like how they show up for you. So you can be like, oh, they're not just with me because I'm beautiful, or they're not just with me because I have money, or and, you know, anything yeah. like or that. Like, what's a red flag? Yeah. I love to kind of I love to put it all out there, I guess, in a sense of when I first meet somebody and when I was back in the dating world, I would show up with 
my hair in a top knot bun or minimal makeup or no makeup and do something on a date that I genuinely loved doing. I would be most authentically me on the first date, even if it, like I said, and as casual and as low key as it is, because I used to kind of go on those dates and I want to do my hair and I want to do this. And you want to look good and feel good for yourself. But at the same token, I don't want them to think that's who I am all the time. Yeah. Or that's what they're going to get all the time because it's not like that all the time. It's not like that. <laughs> Teddy oh. has a thing called Burger King hair. Oh, yeah. You know, like the Burger King man, like the Renaissance man. Yes. <laughs> she yeah. wakes up and looks like him. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Yes. Rock the Burger King hair. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Claire, I will never get a second date if I rock Burger King hair. <laughs> what then who cares they're not the right yeah, that's right <laughs> I mean I think if I was like at the beach or like in Hawaii it'd be okay to like yeah and like that but if I was like in Hollywood <laughs> but if somebody liked you for the Burger King hair and then you you rolled out looking like this they'd be like bonus, okay, bonus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true true I love that I love that I like that yeah. Yeah, my biggest thing would I would say show up authentically and as close to yourself and do things on dates that you love that sh- that re- resemble you. Um, I always hated going to fancy dinners mm-hmm. um, on first dates because I thought a it's kind of uncomfortable and stuffy and most likely you're dressed up and that's just not me at all. So I just start when I was dating, I started eliminating that as a date option because that was just not it's not my thing. Yeah. Um, and I don't want people to think I love that because I would choose making dinner at home and barbecuing and just hanging out at home or takeout any day. Yeah. I mean, I don't like though, when someone wants to like hike or do something where they don't show me that they could take care of me monetarily. Is that bad? Do you think? Like, you I don't, don't like it? No. I like want them to like, at least show up with like a coffee or a kombucha and be like, here's a gift. I need a gift. I guess that's my love language. There's your love language right there. Yeah. That I cared enough to get something that you like. Yeah. That's, that's, that's respectable for sure. And that they care enough to care. Yeah. That is definitely, definitely I feel like a lot of times now, because Teddy and I are both in our thirties, like we go on dates and we want to like, not fix them, but we're like, we look at like, Oh, he has this issue or he has this issue, yeah. you know, instead of looking for strengths and I'm like, am I self-sabotaging or, you know, like I have to really think about dating and being really conscious of like my thoughts on dates. It's hard not like you said, like nobody's perfect. I'm yeah. not going to find the perfect person. Nobody's perfect. And I, I, <laughs> there's a thing my friends and I have, I can't, I used to not be able to stand when a guy looked this, I don't stop me if this makes sense. But if a guy looked like placky, like he just had placky teeth, he can be oh. like, like the white like, cloudy teeth too. Like like when it's like discolored. Ew, Claire. Hell no, no. That's, Have you ever met a guy valid. where you look like that's valid? You're like he just looks placky. He looks like he just has placky teeth, even if he does or does not. He just looks like he has placky teeth. That's yeah. that's a hard pass on my behalf. <laughs> like no. So my friends were like, was he placky? I mean, how was, was he placky? And I'd be like, girl, he was, he was definitely placky. But you're like, I didn't make sure. you plaque. Like you can only look at his teeth. <laughs> I'd be like, ah. He would never, to be honest, if a guy looked like he had placky teeth to me, even if they were not placky, 
It's a wrap. I would Does check that out. mean like hygiene in general? I don't even know. It was just a thing. If you look at a guy or you look at somebody you're going to, to me, you can tell if they just care. Yeah. Even if they're in a t-shirt and jeans, you can tell if they care enough to smell like laundry detergent or clean. So, mm-hmm. you know, that even is okay. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not, I'm not into grungy guys personally. No. <laughs> I like that that's your advice like look for their plaque and if they <laughs> have it <laughs> look at their plaque so I'm just saying I feel where you're going with that but there, there was a guy I I know and he looks placky but he genuinely is the most one of the most amazing guys I know Aww. and I could not look it was hard for me to go like, uh, but he, if somebody isn't worried about, I don't know, I'm not worried about Placky because he wasn't, he's not even a Placky guy. <laughs> there but, were some Placky people who came out of the limo ooh. on the show and you're like, oh no, Placky, Placky. For sure, Placky. Oh, no. <laughs> did you placky. But did you think he's Placky? There was a guy who I for sure thought was Placky. I, I can't tell you if he was or not, oh, no, no, but no, no, I no. looked at him and I was like, black, for sure yeah. blacky. Well, of course, like if you're on a date and you might end up kissing them, like oral hygiene's a thing, guys, like yeah. get, it, get it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's hard because, you know, they're like, why did you send that guy home? And it's like, you can't say that right i think i'm gonna rewatch this whole season and just like zoom in on things and then we're gonna make a whole episode about getting your teeth cleaned every six months how important it is (laughs) yeah it's definitely important definitely important but it's it's the vibe of plackiness it's not even if they do have placky teeth or not there's a vibe of plackiness self-care self-care Healthcare. So, like, that's perfect. I was going to ask you, like, on a bad day, how do you self care and be gentle with yourself? On a bad, a bad day, I would say, you know what? You want to know? Can I tell you something? You can. You're going to probably tell like thousands of people at the same time. (laughs) Don't forget. I have been wanting to put this into action. For other people, I have about three people that are doing this because um, this is something there. I have days of, I go through days of ang- severe anxiety. I go through days of depression that I struggle with. It's something that um, can be underlying if everything just feels really, really heavy to me and there's a lot going on. I'm super stressed. I'm very easily prone to feeling depressed. And I hate feeling that way. Nobody mm-hmm. likes obviously feeling that way, but I thought, um, what can I do to help that? And what can I do on these days? Because some, I mean, there've been months at a time, even recently, um, last year where I was going through things where brushing my teeth wasn't even a thing. Like it was speaking of placky, but it wasn't, it was hard to even get up and do that. Yeah. So I have this thing and I'm so curious. I want your girls or your listeners to do this. If they're struggling with this kind of thing, do this because the people that I have, talk to about this it's helped me tremendously and I hope like it's helped the people my friends my you know one of my sisters that I've talked to to do this but I make the list when I'm not struggling um when I, on my days that I feel good I make a list and I made a list of 10 things in the morning that are easy things that I could do 
um, that help me feel better. Um, because I know when we get started on our day, that can set the tone for the entire day, right? So I made a list on a day that I was feeling really good of easy things that I can do, 10 easy things. And it was, I had to write them down. So easy things like drink a full glass of water, um, take a morning bath, which I love doing, um, take the dogs on a walk, a, a five minute walk around the block. Um, one thing I love doing is jumping on the trampoline. So easy, really two second, easy things. Um, but I made a list of 10 things and I thought when I'm struggling, when I'm having anxiety or having a really crappy day and I wake up feeling like that, or I fall asleep feeling like that, I'm going to pick three things off that list of 10. And it doesn't matter which three things I do. And every day it could be a different three things, but three things that take seconds to do, or just minutes to do. Um, I do those three things and I've re recognized and realized that if I do those three things, even if it's take a drink of water, jump on my trampoline for a minute and take the dog around the block. Are you talking about a little trampoline or like you have a backyard with a huge kid trampoline? No, no. How cool would that be? No, it's a little trampoline. It's a little okay. trampoline. <laughs> I was like, Claire, I want to be your neighbor and come just on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I... Once I recognize on a regular basis, once I started doing just those three little things, and even if I did those three little things and did nothing for the rest of the day or nothing beneficial or got back into bed, odds are I never get back into bed once I do those three things. And so you, it in, instantly like makes you feel like accomplished and it makes you feel like you're doing something for yourself and for just um, self-nurture, I guess. Those things, even a glass of water is nurturing yourself and something yeah. we talk to the girls about this but we use it with happiness so whenever we say like if you're feeling sad or lonely go uh, to your happiness list and it's you know and then you have to figure out how can I feel this happy again so maybe it's like cooking a meal with a parent or we created a girl powerful playlist so we're like put on our playlist and like get moving yeah. so it is so important like you have to be in charge or find ways to you know really manage your own mental health by having these resources yeah. right there. And they're so simple. And it's like a plan, you know, yeah. like you don't have to get all more anxious because you don't have a plan. So like having a morning ritual like that sets you up for success in so many different ways. Did yeah. you always feel like anxious and depressed or was that like more of an adult feeling or like, I never really used to be able to label it until like the last couple of years where mental health like there's less of a stigma about it. Everyone's being honest and being like, yo, I've got some things I got to work on. Like what yeah. is it like for you, like coming, becoming aware of it? I have always had it my entire life. I remember when I was in, this is so bad. My sisters always make fun of me for this. I would be in kindergarten and my family lived maybe five blocks from school. And I, this would never pertain to current day because <laughs> this is not a thing, but I would get so anxious in class that I would literally leave class and run home. <laughs> and I would just, my mom would get home from like the grocery store and she'd be like, what are you doing here again? So probably like three days a week, I would run home from school, just midday, just, can I go to the bath and just run home? Oh, it was brutal. It was so brutal. But I, so I've always had the underlying thing of it. I never could put a label on it, like you said, I guess, but I think, and then when I started recognizing what it was in maybe my early 20s and know, knew that it was just a thing that I would go through, especially in times of high stress, 
I hated it. I struggled with it. I would get mad at myself because I was feeling it, going through it, get angry. Why can't I just be cool and easygoing? And I really struggled a lot with it. And the more that I was embarrassed and the more that I hid it and tried to act like everything was cool, the worse it got. And every, the main thing that started dissipating it for me was admitting it, talking about it. And just, I noticed that once I started talking about it and I would just say it in a, even if it was in not a chill way, but if, when I would say, Hey guys, I know we're out right now. We're out of dinner. I have total anxiety for some reason. I'm just going to step out and get some fresh air. They'd be like, Oh, okay. Like we got you. And people started when I own my truth, people started rising to the occasion and a saying, gosh, I get that too. I know exactly what you're going through and relating to each other, but also having compassion for like, Hey, is this going to make you uncomfortable? Or, Hey, do you need, do we need to sit outside on the patio at dinner so you can have fresh air, you know? And then it started helping me and making things a lot better for me. Um, and dissipating a lot. I love that. That's, I mean, honesty with pretty much every aspect of everyone's life is just the best policy, right? Yeah. Because you never know who can sit there and you can connect with and them go, I went through that too. Or I feel those feelings too. And you're not alone on it. No, you're not alone for Mm -hmm. sure. So Claire, to wrap this. No, no, I have one more. I want to know. Sonia wants to know. Because I think you're so strong with your boundaries and you really showcase that on the show. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering, how do you not let, how do you, like put up your boundaries and not let people steal your joy or not let media out outlets, you know, take away from your personal life because they're always like wanting, 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 mm-hmm. you like kind of remove yourself from all that. I would say knowing my self-worth, believing in myself, knowing what kind of person I am and really putting a lot of energy into that. And I think I have made since I was younger, I've been to the point of feeling worthless. I've been to the point of feeling um, just not worthy of a lot of things. And I, so I know what it feels like to feel the lowest of lows. Um, and, and I think when I started doing all the work and working on myself, creating self-love and really building a foundation of believing in myself and knowing my worth um, and speaking my truth, the biggest thing to me, that's what set my boundaries. And I think there was a point where I set too rigid of boundaries and that wasn't healthy either because I, and I could see it where it comes off very like, no, 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 you're not, not doing that. And it came from knowing the opposite side of it. So I think I got very rigid with, you cannot mess with me. But I think there's a point with that as well, that it's almost your walls are up. And what's the word? You can't penetrate past the walls because you can't mess with me. And this symbol of like, I thought strength and empowerment, but it was really being very rigid. And so I've learned to find the boundary of almost like bowing and flexing with um, boundaries. Um, Because I do know what my boundaries are, but there's also sometimes where it's like, I'm going to flex a little on this because I know I can be pretty rigid and um, learning that was just tremendous for me because I didn't have that growing up. I never spoke up for myself. I never, um, I guess, defended myself or set boundaries with relationships with guys, with friends. And 
creating a sense of self-worth was the biggest thing, I think. Yeah, I think that self-awareness that you're talking about is really important for a lot of people. And the yeah. fact that you knew you were like a little too soft because you just didn't have that strong voice. Yeah. And the pendulum swung way too far over here that you're like, hey, this isn't even the real me anymore. I'm saying yeah. no to opportunities. I'm saying no to myself by yeah. not letting people in. And yeah. then find like the neutral in the middle. And that's where people should try and like try to live. And I know they say like, there's no such thing as a balanced life, but it's like, but maybe you could strive, you know, you could strive to live in that balanced, happy place. Yeah. I, and I think it's a huge place to be because in that fine balance is where you find vulnerability. Mm. It's not being too soft and let people walk all over you. And it's not being too rigid where you don't let people in. Mm. And I think when you're too rigid, it creates those hard boundaries of, yeah, you can't mess with me, but you're also not going to get the best of me. And when you have that middle fine line of vulnerability, it's saying you can't mess with me and I'm strong enough and I know my boundaries of this, but I'm going to flex a little and let you in because I know even if I open up, even if I let you in and you do me dirty or you do me wrong or I get hurt, I know I'm strong enough to overcome it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where the self-worth comes in is, is I'm okay with it. Have gone going to the extreme of like, you can't mess with me, but now it's like, even if you try, I know where I stand and I know how I feel about myself. So even if when you ask about like the media and social media and people getting hard and awful and mm-hmm. kind of like the tough things that come along with being in the public eye, it got to me. I mean, there, I'm human, but yeah. there's also that I know who I am. I know my truth. I know that I let the right people in and those, those I care deeply about what they think and how they feel. And I let, it does affect me. So I am a very sensitive person by nature, but I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think it's okay to be sensitive and soft and a hundred percent. Do you think like, since you have been in the public eye for years now, hmm. what a percentage, like, would you say of like media coverage is even true? A minimal, to be honest. <laughs> like 10%. Yeah, honestly, 10%. Yeah. There's absolutely 10%. And, and it's magnified by people's, I think nowadays I'm recognizing that people are very, people pick sides in the media. Either you're this awful person and they absolutely hate you. And so they're picking the worst pictures and they're catching you at these moments and or you're beloved and you can do nothing wrong. And people pick whether or not, whatever side people pick, like people pick sides, especially within, I think the Bachelor franchise for some reason, if, you know, they wanna um, paint a picture of you one way to be a certain person, there's gonna be people that are just driving that home and thinking that you're that person and that's their perception of you. But there's also 90 more percent of things that is the real you, that's the human you that is, you know, people don't see and people don't get the chance to see. So that's why I love, and I'm happy to be doing this with you guys, because these are the things I love connecting with young girls and young women that, and young people that look for the humanness in people and not just this portrayal of what people think you are and who they think you are in the media or on TV, because that's not reality. As weird as that sounds like reality TV is not reality. Right. It's not a whole picture of who a person is. It's a portion and it's 
bits and pieces of it, but it's not all encompassing of who a person is. So just as much as you can sit there and see that, you know, Claire's this way in a certain way and she's, you know, this one person in three minutes of a three-day filming schedule, I'm also the person that on any given day, you'll catch me down at the nursing home sitting with my mom feeding her. So do you like that you have like that control a little bit with social media to put out like on your stories, like the true Claire? Yeah, I love it. And that's what I've been doing for years. And that's why I know um, it's easy to be like an influencer and make some really amazing, good money on social media. I, I more pride myself on making my page, even if I get to do stuff like that and have those opportunities, making my social media a page of who I am as a person. And, and I've always done that. And it's not, um, I don't know. I love, I love being able to just be like, this is who I am. And, and to be honest, here's the truth. I've been in plenty of relationships throughout the years, even since I've been on television that I have not put on social media, that it's not public, that nobody even knows the relationships I was in Mm -hmm. and not for a fact of like hiding them, but I want my social media to be whether or not I'm in a relationship, whether Mm -hmm. or not I'm engaged, whether or not I'm on TV or not, this is the Claire I am. And this is the life I choose to live. So other girls, other people who look at it can go, oh yeah, like she's doing stuff with herself. She's doing stuff with her life because the one thing that I can't stand that just irks me is when like when people have found out that I'm in a relationship or when I got engaged um, to Dale, you're happy, you're glowing, you look amazing. Like you're just glowing. And there were days that even though I was in a relationship and very happy in my relationship at the time, I was struggling like with other things going on in my life and I could not have been more filled with anxiety and depression at that time. It had nothing to do with my, uh, my relationship, but just stuff that I was going through. So I was like, I'm glowing and I'm, because you think I'm in a relationship it equates happiness. That's, that's my worth. That's my partner. That's my worth. My worth is not my partner. And in the same right. way, yeah, when I'm not in a relationship or, um, people will say like, I can't wait for you to find happiness. I want to, I always want to. Who said I wasn't happy? Who said I wasn't happy? Right. And honestly, in my past, some of the happiest times I've ever had is when I get out of an unhealthy relationship and I'm independent and I'm by myself and riding solo. Like those are my happiest times. So I want my social media to reflect who I am as a person, whether or not I'm in a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's my happiness is not dependent upon any man or any relationship. And I want other girls and other people to feel the same way. Like it doesn't matter. How beautiful was that when we did the, you did the Instagram live with Teddy and our (laughs) inbox was like flooded with all these I am statements from women like across the country. And it was because of you that women, you know, took a a few minutes out of their day to like think about what they love about themselves we yeah. were like scrolling so happy we're like oh. what matters in the world you know helping people no, that made me so world. happy yeah that made me so happy and it filled up my inbox too of really positive good happy things and I think it's easy for being off the show people will want to know gossip and want to know juicy details whether they care or not or whether they're just trying to find out juicy details that I mean when people filling up my inbox with that and there I am and this is what makes me happy like that made me so happy and that really changed the narrative of 
you know, me going on social media, instead of being like cringy of like, what are people saying about this? It's more of like, I love looking forward to this. So it shifted the narrative, I think. Also, like spending so many years in and out of like the show, it kind of does breed a toxic like idea that you are valued only if you look like this, you know, like no one ever like wearing a size pant over a six probably has ever even been on that show. Like a lot of people and like teenagers watch it. Like our girls watch that show mm-hmm. and I just hate it. <laughs> you so know what I mean? Like, the, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get Cinderella. I get that stuff, but it's like, that's why we like, we're really drawn to you. It's because you, you went a little deeper and they probably pushed back because they're like, no, 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 <laughs> let's just kiss, you know, let's just bikini party. But yeah. you were like, yeah. oh, I want to, I'm an adult. I'm getting, find someone here. Yeah, I wanted to get what I could out of it for sure. I, I, that was probably the most frustrating thing for me as well, going through the experience. And I'm very grateful for it, but it was the narrative that they want to do and the narrative that they want to uh, show for things, which is, it's okay, because I know the truth. But mm-hmm. that was something that is, was extremely important to me, um, was being a flawed human being and people seeing the realness of people, whether you're a size six, whether you're a size 14, whether you wear makeup or don't wear makeup or whatever, whoever you are, you are so worthy of great love. Mm -hmm. And like I said, because I've been through so many years of feeling zero self-worth and there was a lot of things we can probably talk about it another time but because I know I I can tend to talk a long time but (laughs) I talk so much but this is stuff that's important to me but there's things in my life that got me to a place to be on the show to be chosen as the bachelorette and the reason I I don't think I was even an option to producers to be the bachelorette ever I think they actually were went in casting me for bachelor in paradise. Hey, Claire, you're single. Do you want to do it? And I was like, definitely not. But I don't know. There was things that I had talked to them about that. I was like, I've never talked about this in my life. And until I started speaking up about it and showing the flaws and the things I've been through in my life, the, the um, things that make me me and who, who have kind of shaped who I am as a woman, the hard things, the things that people go through all the time. Um, relationship abuse. I went through um, sexual abuse as a child and never talked about that. I've never spoken about that, but I went in talking to producers about like, I have finally found my worth, my value and love myself enough to say, I know how much I love myself for every flawed, imperfect part of myself. I'm ready for, to share that with somebody and to not just be seen as somebody who is you know, standing out there with a sparkly dress, you know, that's not, that's not beautiful to me. I don't want a man who thinks that that's cool. I want a man who sees all the things about me or the things right. I've been through and look at that as a strength yeah. and own the stuff that I've been through is not shame, but as my power. Well, yeah. And you using your voice to be vulnerable and brave. I always think anyone sharing their truth is just beyond brave. It's hard to say I was sexually abused. Like that doesn't, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard. So yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I mean, it's common. That's this, that's the sad thing. And a lot of the girls we work with, we know things are going on behind the scenes and yeah, they're, they're kind of tied. They're not your kid. Like, what do you, you know, it's hard. Obviously you're a mandated reporter and you can try to help, but mm-hmm. 
it's but, difficult. Yeah, like spreading awareness and letting people hear your story is the most powerful thing because like you said, like throughout this whole episode, there's so many things that women can resonate and be like, oh my gosh, me too. Yeah. And that's the most powerful thing. And that will help them, you know, not feel alone and then hopefully help them start their healing process and kickstart their own self-love journey. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what's important to me. And that, that's why I wanted to go on the show and, and speak up for the little Claire's of the world, like we were talking about, Teddy, and like, yeah. speak up for the little Claire's of the world that felt worthless, that felt shame, that hide things that bury things deep inside themselves they feel like is a flaw that somebody's not going to love that about them or that it's a struggle of theirs but recognizing that it's actually your superpower to be a survivor even if you are just here on earth another day like you're a survivor of that and you're getting through every day with that and going through abuse whatever kind of abuse it is like to be able to go on with your days and and be a survivor like I said that's beautiful and it's a superpower for sure because that stuff doesn't leave you that stuff that stuff is always there and and you know I think embracing yourself as not a victim but as a survivor Mm -hmm. it changes the narrative and starts to kind of build your self-worth and I think it's huge yeah if someone is you know being abused like do you have any advice for how they could share that with someone they trust like sometimes verbally saying it probably would be really painful and take like years to do. Do you think like leaving a note somewhere, like, do you have any advice for anyone, any age, any gender? Yeah. Being hurt right now. I think one of the worst things, which is one of the worst things is burying it deep inside and not sharing with somebody. So whether it's a sister, whether it's a good friend, whether it's a teacher Um, somebody that you can really trust, even just owning that truth of it and opening up, because like you said earlier, unfortunately it's happened to more people than it hasn't happened to. Um, and there's so many people that don't speak up about it. And I thought forever as a child, that's not going to affect me. And as a teenager, as an adult, that's not going to affect me. That was part of my childhood or I'm going to be stronger. I'm just going to go on. What can, what can I do about it? You know, it's just a thing. But when I started talking about it, and like I said, simply viewing it, not as a victim of it, but as this is something that I went through and I survived this. Mm -hmm. And I, I think choosing to say, I refuse to let that person or that situation get the best of me. Like I want better for myself. I'm not going to let, maybe I just have, you know, control things in my head, but I don't want them to win. I don't want them to feel like they got the best of me. Right. Because that's a part, that's the thing that did happen to me that I didn't have control over, but I have control over who I am now. And I'm not going to let that win. And I want better for myself. Yeah. You deserve better. You deserve better. Everyone deserves the best of the best. Yeah. So sharing with like a therapist or sharing with a teacher or a school counselor or even a friend that you, more people would be surprised. I think when the person that they're talking to says, A, I understand, or, you know, I went through that same thing and, and building yourself up and really just focusing on healing. That's huge because people, when you don't do the work, even if it's something that you don't think is going to affect your life or you're like, Oh, it's just something that happened it does affect your life. It affects your relationships um, in the long term when you're, 
you know, in your twenties and thirties. It shows up in random places and manifests in like anger or anxiety, or you don't want to be touched anymore. All these things that just are natural because you had a trauma and you have a wound and you need to find a way to, to heal yourself. Cause we all have that power. We have that power. Yeah. And I feel like Claire, you're the best role model for you just said for doing the work. So once you get to a point where you can recognize it, you have to do the work. Yeah. Then you can like, we love to show girls like women who are successful and thriving and don't let their childhood or like past Mm -hmm. traumas, like stand in the way of thriving. So thank you for being here with us. And our last question is what makes you feel the most alive? Ooh, what makes me feel most alive is just being me and doing things that I love. I would say that is essentially being out in nature and being no makeup, hair in like a ponytail or hat and comfortable clothes and just being out and seeing, man, just soaking it up, being barefoot, I think makes me feel so alive. I, I, that's being most authentically me in my element really makes me feel the most alive. Oh yeah. And then when you, I love that soaking it up when you get to be that present, that present and being like, I'm alive. I'm grateful. All the good stuff is flowing to me. Thank you so, so much for doing this and being the awesome human that you are and sharing like in so many, so many ways, we can never thank you enough. No, I, I absolutely love coming on here. And I thank you guys for, for the space to be able to talk to other people and to share stories. Cause I think that's where we connect with other people. And that's where people can literally listen and say and feel like just not alone. So thank you guys for doing this. <laughs> we appreciate you. Love you guys. Love you. Love you. Love you. And literally thank you for doing this. You guys, thank you for being there for, for young girls. And, and it just, it's changing lives. It is. Thank you for seeing that. Thanks to our guest. For more information on her, see the show notes. Please hit subscribe if you have not already. That way, a new episode is delivered directly to your feed every week.